Thanks for joining us today for our Freedom Podcast. We are excited to grow with you. Today, you will hear a message from the life-changing Word of God. We hope this podcast adds value to your everyday life. If you want to find out more about this ministry, visit our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. Last week, we started this brand new series called, I Want to Believe But. I want to believe, but. I don't know if you've ever said this before in your life. Maybe there's someone that invited you to church. Maybe you said something like, I want to go to church, but. Lord, I would give more money to the church or to an organization or to a fund, but. Lord, I would volunteer myself in this area, but. Lord, I really like that person over there. She's hot. He's good looking. But. So whatever that looks like, you can always come across something where you said, I I I like this idea, but. I don't think there's anybody at the sound of my voice that can look at their lives and say, I've never said anything like that. (laughs) Right? Okay, I just want to make sure we're on the same boat. If you're human, in some way, you thought this. I would do this, but. I would do that, but. We talked last week about I want to believe, but. And we talked about how, you know, we find ourselves at a place where uh, God doesn't, It doesn't feel like God is listening to us. I want to believe, but, and last week we talked about, I want to believe, but God doesn't listen to me, or I feel like God doesn't answer my prayers, a little more specifically. So when I thought about putting this series together, I really was like, man, I want us to tackle some of the difficult things that every believer comes across, but most of us don't talk about. And that's my job as a pastor to unveil areas of our hearts and our lives that can expose it to God's heart. You realize that pastors and our our goal as pastors is not to expose you to expose you, but to open you so that God could come in. Do you realize that? That our job is not to embarrass you or in any way. Our job is to allow your heart to open so that the seeds that need to go in, go in so that we can be properly growing as followers of Jesus Christ. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ and one way or another, you have said to yourself, is God even hearing me? Okay, show of hands. How many of you thought that? In one way or another, you thought, is God even hearing my prayers right now? Come on. Revival happening? Do I hear? That's only half the people. The other half are superheroes. I promise you, you're amazing. That or you're lying through your teeth. You'd be like, Pastor Tony, I'm not going to raise my hand. I don't know who's behind me. I don't know if you got a camera on me right now. The only person that's got a camera on them is me right now. Can I tell you, raise your hand if you ask, if you said to yourself, is God even hearing me anymore? Okay, wow, that was amazing. No camera on me, Pastor. Now I can, 
I can speak truth. Well, this morning I want to tackle a little bit of that too. I want to believe but. And we talked last week about how God doesn't exist to serve us, but we exist to, ser- we exist to serve God. You remember that? Another thought that I wanted to bring before I go into this morning's message is this. God doesn't prove his love when he answers our prayers. God proved his love when he sent his son. Right? His answer to prayer is not his sign of whether he loves you or not. That's not a sign. Because sometimes if you say, only if you answer this prayer do you love me, God. And his answer is no to your prayer. So you think that somehow it's no to you. Okay, God, I get it. You don't love me. No, no, no. It's no to the prayer, yes to his love for you forever. So that doesn't change his person. You follow? His love for you doesn't change whether he says yes or no to your prayers. And I know that there's times that God said no, and it's the best no I could have ever gotten. Because what I wanted was not good for me. Right? You with me? I'm pretty sure that when you agree with me. Okay, I got an amen. It was amazing how that happened. Just, all right. So here's my thought to you as I bring this message. I want to believe, but why are there so many rules? Rules. Let me say it in biblical terms. Let's say this, ready? Commandments. There's only 10 that we know of for sure. But there's a lot of other things written in the New Testament for all of us to follow, right? So it wouldn't be a stretch to say that there are 50, 60, 70 rules that we can come up with if we read the scriptures enough. We can say, well, there's a lot of rules and somehow that rule is more important than anything else. And if you're a a straight by the book person, rules are important to you. Any type A people where rules are important to you? If you're a teacher, hello? If you're a certain kind of parent, hello? Rules are important. You break them, you pay. In most states. Here's the bad news about religion. The bad news is religion focuses on the external rather than the internal. Right? But here's the good news about religion, because I think religion gets a bad rap. Here's the good news about religion. It creates a path where we would have otherwise had no direction. So anyone that comes up to me and says, I hate religion, I have a little bit of problem with that. Now, a religious spirit, that could be a whole message by itself. I'm not talking about religious spirit. I'm talking about religion. The process in the box of faith. Whether you like it or not, you're in a religious institution right now. You're in a church. That is a religious institution. To say you hate religion would indirectly, and in many ways, some even directly, you hate this church and the church in general. But if you say you hate the religious spirit, I can, I can understand that. Because the religious spirit condemns people because they connect it directly to their sin as if their sin defines them. But religion itself isn't a bad thing. Religion is man-made, 
And yes, there are some problems with religion. There are so many religions in this world, right? Which one's the right one? Raise your hand if you ever asked that before. Raise your hand if you ever heard somebody say that before. There are so many religions. How do I know this is the right one? Well, let me tell you one thing that religious did do, or religion did do for us, is it created the knowledge that there is something worth chasing. So at the very foundation, at the very least, we can agree with today that religion at least opened up the door that there is life outside of us. Even if the religion itself is false, at least the idea of religion was intended to be something better than what I think a lot of people paint on it now. I see a lot of Christians, a lot of even ministers and pastors even, just completely drop the gavel on religion and say, religion is horrible. I am in a relationship with Jesus, not a religion. That's pretty, and it works nice on a bumper sticker. But we all have some sort of religious faith, and that is defined by the fact that we're separate than the world. You follow? So I'm not going to say that religion is all good, but I'm also not going to say that religion is all bad. Because there are some opportunities there. So I want to believe, but why there are so many rules? Let's look at Matthew 23 for a moment, because I don't want to preach terribly long. I don't have a terribly long message, but I would love for you to track with me as we do this, okay? Matthew 23, beginning in verse 25 and 26. We have it up on the screen if you want to follow there. If you have your Bible, that's even better. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. This is Jesus being Jesus. You hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee? First, clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. Let's be very careful as to how we perceive someone that calls out a false prophet, a false prophecy, or someone that teaches something that is opposed to the Bible. Because Jesus himself called people hypocrites and false teachers. That doesn't mean we go around using that every term and every turn. Hello, that could be a slippery slope, right? We start turning around and being like, false this, false that. Everything's false. Nothing's true. That's the problem. But we do have to call out what is untrue that's coming in your direction. If something is untrue coming in your direction, you have the right. Listen, even the privilege of calling it out. You have the responsibility that if something is said to you that is not true, that is not biblical, you can say, you know what? That's not true. Because you are responsible for your soul. You are responsible for what you believe. You are responsible for your intake. And so... When Jesus was talking to these individuals, he was talking to them because the inside was messed up, but they were clean on the outside. He even talked about whitewashed tombs. What is a tomb? A place where the dead bones lie. And he said they're whitewashed tombs. 
So what are we talking about? We're talking about how rules bring peace. If we are to understand God, we have to understand why rules exist. And so we can look at rules and go, oh, there's just so many rules. This is what I hate about church. This is what I hate about God. All these things. Can I ask you a question? Have any of you ever driven on a highway where you've seen the metal, uh, help me out, guardrails on the side of the road? Anybody ever seen guardrails on the side of the road? How many of you have ever looked over the guardrail and saw that it was quite the drop on the other side? We went to a father-son camp thing uh, a few months ago, back in the, early in the summer. And I tell you what, that dip, there were no guardrails, there were no, nothing there. And I look over that, and I would say, why don't they have guardrails on this? Because literally, if you got into an accident with someone and you fell over, we would never see you again. Because the drop was dramatic. I mean, serious droppage. I've never driven on a highway where I looked at guardrails and I said, ha ha, guardrails. How dumb is that? Look at these people of little faith with these guardrails. You don't know how to drive. That's why you got guardrails. Can you imagine how absurd if I'm sitting in a car with you and I start spewing this dumbness out of my mouth? This straight stupidity, like what is wrong with you? You'd probably look at me and go, I'm questioning whether I should go to your church anymore. Right? You would probably think that there's something, Pastor Tony's having a rough day. That is just a dumb thing to fight about, argue about. But that's exactly what we do when we argue. Why are there commands? Why are there rules? Because those rules are set and our mind has to change. God has set up commands and guidelines for us because he wants to keep us in the faith. He wants to keep us, hello, on the road that is narrow. The Bible's very clear that the road to destruction is wide. Are you with me? Are you with me? Understand this, that wide is the road to destruction but narrow is the road in righteousness. So hear me when I tell you, when we say, man, this, all these rules and all these guidelines and all these things, stop fighting the very thing God put in your life to keep you close to him. So allow me for a moment. I want to bring to you really quickly Let's look at Isaiah 48. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you to profit, who leads you by the way you should go. All that you had heeded my commandments. Then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. What are we talking about here? We're talking about how God has said commandments so that we can move forward. So we can follow the faith. And so what we, what we find ourselves is oftentimes the reason why we struggle with passages like this is that we have to believe, but we don't have a guide. And God's command is exactly that. 
So let me teach you for a few moments. I have a little bit of teaching. That's why I'm sitting right now. I'm trying to control myself. And I struggle to sit too long. But I want to tell you this, because there's a couple different things that take place in the scriptures that kind of help us to bring a little bit of clarity. And let me summarize the three types of laws found in the Bible. Are you ready? For those of you taking notes, you might want to write this down. Number one, in the Bible, we find what's called the moral law. And a lot of people look at Christianity like, okay, the book that you're talking about is all about moral things. Some people think that Christianity is just about morality, just about being good enough, or just about being good, period. But if you are in Christianity, if you are in Christianity longer than 30 seconds, you realize that our, our good isn't good enough. And even if we're morally pure and we do everything by the book, we're still sinners in need of a savior. So our morality that you can claim Christianity to be, Christianity doesn't just preach morality. Shoot, there are people that disobeyed and went against God that God opened up the earth and swallowed them. Like, can you imagine if that's how you lived your life? If the moment you messed up, the earth opened up and swallowed you? Like the Bible's full of times where people just did not do good things. But God in his mercy, hello? God in all his mercy showed us grace. The law is summarized in the Ten Commandments. We can find that in Exodus 20 if you need to read it. But it's also written in our hearts in Romans chapter 2. It's not just about the tablets, my friend. Living a life that is good in front of people is a moral thing. It's just great. But that's not what the Bible solely is. That's not what Christianity solely is. All of us have this innate sense of right and wrong. Some of you know when you do wrong, you know it, and you're like, I'm doing wrong, I'm doing wrong, I'm doing wrong, but I know this is what I want to do right now. You have this, quote, natural knowledge that you're doing wrong. Even when you're doing it, you're like, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but I'm going to do it anyway because this is what I want to do. Anybody with me? Some of y'all won't confess too quickly. I get it. Some of y'all are like, you really expect me to raise my hand, Pastor Tony? Okay, I got, I got two people. I appreciate you guys. Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis wrote this. Human beings all over the earth have this curious idea that they ought to behave in a certain way and cannot really get rid of it. <laughs> Lewis, C.S. Lewis goes on to describe how we are are also masters of breaking the law. We're just really good at, oh yeah? You tell me I can't, right? It's like telling someone, uh, whatever you do, don't look back. Right, Lorraine, whatever you do, don't look back, right? Look at Jason, Jason's right looking back. He's like, you didn't say me. Anybody ever were told, were you ever told don't do something? I remember, I got a long story that I can share this. I won't though. Uh, but I remember when I was a kid, I, I was walking down the street and a cop passed us. And, um, and one of my friends who was uh, redeemed, uh, he was a redeemed bad boy. Um, 
said, whatever you do, don't look back. And that's exactly what I did. Like I looked back and it was at that moment the cop turned around and actually we got frisked at that time. But in any case, that's a whole nother story. <laughs> I didn't see people from 5 to 12. But um, <laughs> moral law, we look, at, we look at the Bible and many people want to see a moral law, but it's more than that because a moral will not save you. A moral will not bring you to heaven. A moral standard will not, is not enough. Come, somebody say this, it's not enough. It's not enough. So being moral is not enough. The second thought is this, because we know that the law kind of helped us to kind of move in the direction of doing good. But then there's the civil law. As God ruled over his people and he, and he, and he uh, rescued them out of Egypt, he also gave them laws and he called it civil laws. So in order for us to be civil in our uh, in our, you know, in our community, you know, hey, be civil with one another. Here are civil laws. You just don't murder your neighbor. That's just probably a good rule and standard to live by, right? Pretty good. The civil, you know, don't murder your neighbor. It's probably in the Bible somewhere. I read it. But to way, a way to live together in harmony, we look at civil laws, and we see that in the Old Testament as the church and the state were one entity in the Old Testament. You realize that there wasn't a church in the Old Testament per se. It was the culture, the state, the church. Everything was kind of all in one. The temple, the, the religion, everything was kind of in one, right? And as such, God gave Israel special laws that pertain to their religion. And so these laws don't apply today in the same way they did for Israel. And because God is governing his kingdom on earth a little differently now. Right? And so we distinctly, how he governed back then is not how he's governing now because there's a dispensation of grace that's a little different than in the Old Testament. So can I teach for a moment? So, for example, the Old Covenant civil law of Israel, the blasphemers and adulterers were executed Leviticus 20, Leviticus 24, we see that to be part of civil law. You did this and you pay the price. Now, we look at things a little differently. You did this, now you go before a judge, a jury, and you get a chance to explain. And there's a little bit of civility there. But guess what? How many know that the, even our civil laws today is not enough to get us into heaven? But they were created for us to have a guideline. Most people don't get upset about laws that are written to protect us. Now, when they infringe on our freedoms, then we start to push back. And I'm okay with understanding that because there are certain freedoms that, that we have to, as a nation, follow and, follow and fall in line with. But in the new covenant within the church, the blasphemers and adulterers who are unrepented aren't executed but excommunicated. You follow? So we could even see the difference between Old Testament and New Testament, where they would execute them in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, they would excommunicate them. In other words, they would civilly say, you are no longer part of our fellowship. How many of that's drastically different than like losing your head or your life? Right? So governing differently. So there's a civil law. Third one is the ceremonial laws. Another category uh, that, that has to deal with the laws of Israel. So watch this. It's associated with the temple and the sacrifices. 
Last time I checked, nobody asked you to bring your offering. We asked you to put it in the black boxes, not to bring a goat or a sheep or a lamb. Russell, where's your lamb? Right? Bring your lamb. <laughs> I don't know what lamb sounds lamb makes. That's as close as I can get, guys. I'm from New York. Forgive me. Let, give me a pass. The sound that was made, we don't know where it came from. It's the computer guy back there. But there's ceremonial laws, and so those laws don't apply today. We're not bringing animals, the purified, and, 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 and all these different things. We're not bringing those ceremonial laws. So God gave it these elaborate descriptions, yes? How many ever read that in the Old Testament? You're like, wow, like the precision and what they had to do, the descriptions on how we were to worship in the tabernacle, later in the temple, in the books of like Exodus, and especially Leviticus. If you look at that, if you look at Leviticus, don't get saved and then read Leviticus. Like, don't do that. Like, don't be like, you got saved, praise God. Now open to Leviticus. Let me show you how to properly bring your offering before the Lord. They'd be like, uh, I'm not going to your church. Like, like, that's not the book. You, like, save Leviticus for another day. Get into the book of John, something in the New Testament where you're learning about Jesus before you start learning. Learn about the Lamb of God before you learn about lambs brought before God. Come on. Come on, that was good, wasn't that, Tim? That was really good? Yeah, come on. I got two applauses. That just, gave, that just bought me two minutes. Okay, that's good, that's good. But the sacrificial system was very different, right? The priests and the offerings was given to Israel to depict the types of shadows and hopes of people coming closer to God, right? So the offerings that were brought to God were hope. They were hope. Everybody say hope. You realize that every time they brought an offering, you know what they were bringing? A chance. They were hoping for a chance to be right with God. But guess what? Even that, look at me, everyone, look at me. Even that was limited. Because every time, they would have to bring another one. And then another one. And then another one. Why did Jesus turn tables over and start flipping stuff? If I had a table right now, it would be fun to flip. Just flipping tables. Like Jesus starts flipping tables. Why? Why did he begin flipping out in the temple? I think that's where the term flipping out came from. It came from Jesus. He flipped out, flipped tables, and why? Why? Because Jesus had a bad day? Got up on the wrong side of the bed? No, because the people that were in the temple were overcharging their sacrifices that they were to be bought because those sacrifices would eventually come to the Lord. And so because they were overcharging you, he saw that overcharge. He saw the way they were using the temple as a way of gaining money for their own benefit. It was selling these animals at astronomical cost. Why? Because they know that they need to bring one before God. So Jesus was angry, flipping tables. Because he saw that people were using his presence for profit. And God doesn't stand for that. You cannot and will not use his presence for profit and stand to live the tale of tale. He does not like that. So what are we to do with this? 
Real quickly, I want to share with you this thought. Man, I got so much. Ah. Let me shoot through this real quickly. Here's the good news about Jesus. Are you ready? The good news about Jesus. Number one, you cannot earn God's acceptance by obeying the law. The law was put out there to show you that you're not good enough. A lot of people think that the law was out there so that we can follow it and then we would be righteous. No. The entire squad of people that followed the law fell short every single time. So number one, you cannot earn God's acceptance by the law. If you need a reference point, Romans 3.20. And it says this, therefore no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. I'm not making this stuff up. You hearing me? Romans 3.20 told us we will not be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Number two, the purpose of the law is to show your need of a savior. Everyone at the sound of my voice needs a savior. And that savior is not me or any other other body in this body. It is only Jesus Christ. The purpose of the law is to show the need for a savior. Therefore, Romans 3.20, therefore no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. You see that first part was the first point. And then the second part, the second point is the second part of that verse, which tells us rather through the law, we become conscious of our sin. The acknowledgement that in and of ourselves, the purpose of the law shows us we are in need of a savior. Come on, somebody say, I need a savior. His name is Jesus. You're doing good. Number three, here is my final point. I'm going to close. Being right with God comes by faith in Christ alone. Being right with God comes by faith in Christ alone. How do I know that? I'm glad you asked. Romans 3.22 says this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ. The righteousness that we want so badly, the righteousness that we want so much from God comes from faith in Jesus Christ. Are you hearing this? It's not anything you have to do. You don't have to jump through hoops. You don't have to prove yourself to me or anybody else. All you have to say is, God, I can't do this myself. I live only to breathe your word, your life, your abundance. Man, this righteousness is given through faith. In Jesus Christ, not in man, not in religion, not in whatever it is you call yourself, spiritual. You ever met somebody that's really spiritual but not godly? In fact, you would say godless. I met people that they were very spiritual, but they cursed like a sailor. And I'm like, what is coming out your mouth right now? They do crazy things. And they, well, I am spiritual. 
Why? Because they grab pieces of every religion they can find that looks good, that sounds good, that makes them feel like it's right, and then all of a sudden, they have become their own religion. And in turn, have reversed the creation process. Instead of God making us in His image, we are making God in ours. When you grab from everything that sounds good to you and you create this thing, can I tell you something? Do not take faith lessons from Hollywood. I don't care if they're recording artists and actor and good Lord, if they're dribble a basketball or catch a ball or hit a ball, tiny or otherwise, it does not matter. Their opinion is still their opinion. Unless it's rooted in this, those people will stand before God. I don't care how many millions and billions they have in their, in their bank account. When we stand before God, none of that stuff will matter. It'll all burn up. I said it before and I'll say it again. Nobody, you've never seen a hearse pull a U-Haul. You cannot take it with it. You cannot take it with Everyone will stand before God. And if you don't realize that your righteousness is given by faith in Jesus Christ alone, you're going to try to earn everybody's approval. And I'm going to try to do this right and do that right, friends. The guardrails that God has put in his word are to protect you often from you. Yes? Just like when I locked my phone, my kids... When they were little, they wanted, they wanted to play with stuff on my phone. I'd lock it because they would delete all kinds of stuff if we let them. they just press some buttons like, ooh, lights, buttons, blinking. That's how come the apps shake when you start putting it. They sh- they're nervous. They might be the next to go. You ever did that? You're going to delete an app, you hold down, all of a sudden all the apps start getting nervous. Church looks like that when you start ready to take an offering. I tell you what, right now, y'all look like a bunch of apps sometimes. Just (laughs) Just kidding. That was weird. In all seriousness, we have to realize that the big idea is simply this, my friends. I want to believe, but I want to believe because he loved me so much that he put up guardrails for me. Not but, not but, because. He loved me so, did you know, Matt, that he loved you so much that he created Ten Commandments so that you could realize that he loves you? Because we could look at it and we could go, man, God is such a stickler about these things. He gave us 10 commandments and then we got to do this and we got to... No. You're looking at it way wrong when you start realizing that he's put these guidelines so that we can come to him with the right attitude, the right mental place and start realizing, man, those things are up to protect me from sometimes the one who really messes things up is me, for me. If we're being honest, sometimes we make the worst decisions. It's not other people's decisions that affect me as much as sometimes it's my own decisions affecting me. 
but God can and will move in your life if you start realizing I want to believe because he's been so good to me over and over again that he sent his son how many know that he sent his son so he can he can be your guide and he after sending his son then his son said I'll be back and he didn't say like Schwarzenegger I'll be back he said he all right he said he left so that when he comes but listen he's gonna crack the eastern sky again but he said listen while I'm gone while I'm gone, I'm going to give you a comforter. The Holy Spirit's going to work in and through your life. Here is a deposit of God's goodness in your life, the Holy Spirit. He breathed into us the opportunity to walk in the power of his Holy Spirit so that before he comes, we can populate the earth with the gospel of Jesus. He said, occupy till I come. And so those those rules are boundaries to help us fulfill the work he has for us. How many are grateful? And I want to believe because he's been good to me. Amen. This is a very, listen, this is a very different message for me this morning. This was straight encouragement. Step out of yourself for a moment and realize that his love for you is grand. Amen. Everyone stand with me in this room. Father, you see these lives and everyone in the sound of my voice. I pray today that they would decide that they want to believe because you have been so good to every single one of them, including me. Father, thank you for being good to me by setting up these guardrails for my life. Lord, I choose not to look at commands and and the things that you say do not so, so that I could be obedient to you. And they're definitely more for me than they are for you. Because even if I don't praise you, the rocks will cry out. But somebody's going to praise you. So let it be me. Because I don't want a rock to cry out in my place. Father, we give you praise. Come on, take, a, take 10 seconds right now and give him praise in the house. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness, for all the provision that you've made a way for us where there seems to be no way. Thank you, God, that you are so good to us, your people. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. Choose. Choose God because he first chose you. Have a wonderful Sunday and God bless you guys.